We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our special guest today is Jill Campbell, recently retired President and Chief People and Operations Officer of Cox Enterprises. Cox Enterprises is a private, family-owned company based in Atlanta, Georgia, with nearly $20 billion in annual revenues and nearly 50,000 employees. Jill led the People Solutions, Real Estate, Aviation, Facilities, Security, and Corporate Affairs Departments. Jill is on several boards and mentors countless leaders. She's earned many awards and recognition and is in the Cable Hall of Fame Woman of the Year and recently honored with the inaugural 2022 Fearless Leader Award from the WICT Network. What I appreciate most about you, Jill, is your consistency and transparency. You're always positive, you bring the energy, you speak your truth, and you fight for what you believe in. Welcome to ROG, Jill. Thank you so much, Shannon. Happy to be here. That's awesome. So I'm grateful to speak to you about generosity because you are so generous. You just modeled this so naturally, including just something that I've personally gained from is your mentoring and your willingness to share advice and encouragement over the years. And that you also wrote a quote that is on the cover of one of my books, The Five Degree Principle. So you've just been one of those leaders. Like, where do you think that comes from, Jill? Gosh, that's such a great question, Shannon. I I think it's because growing up um, in the cable industry, which is a really male-dominated industry, I didn't have a lot of role models when I looked up that looked like me. Um, And I really didn't have a whole lot of female mentorship as well. And so I think as I started to go up in the ranks um, and work my way up, I just felt like it was so important to reach back and talk to young women and men about their careers because when you have experience, you can hopefully guide them better than if they have to figure it out on their own, which is not always the funnest way to do things, right? So I think it stems from starting, you know, really at an interesting point in um, the world for women in business. Mm, absolutely. And like, what what are some of the examples of when you've done that or like where you've seen mentoring really help advance someone else's career, maybe even your own? Yeah, uh, there are a lot of them. And I heard a lot about it when I retired. People sent me emails or they came back and they said, I just wanted to tell you about that time that you did X, Y, Z. One that stands out that I really didn't even know I had any impact on. And I think that happens a lot when you're a leader. Uh, I had spoken at a Women in Cable event um, and it was a lot about confidence and really doing what you are passionate about doing. And if you get stuck in a role that you hate, that's just miserable. You really need to rethink that. And a young woman came up to me from another company and she said, oh my gosh, that resonated with me so much because my undergraduate is in engineering, but I got off track and I've just been in the HR role and I really want to be in the technical department, but I'd have to go back to school 
And I said, well, you should look into that because you're young. And if you, you know, you're really passionate about that, you have time to do it. I, I would pursue it. it was something really innocuous like that. And about three years later, she came back and sent me an email. She said, I can't thank you enough for giving me the confidence to do what I did. I, I went to Comcast, I went to my leaders and they said, we will support you getting an MBA because she was able to transfer credits while she worked. It was an EMBA. And then she was transferred into the technical department and worked her way up. And in three years became a manager in that department. So that was really hard. I mean, that had nothing to do with mentoring. That was just the right time. Yeah, like on the spot mentoring. Yeah, and I just love that. Right. Because I think she felt that that's that's one of the other attributes that I appreciate about you is that you're even though you are, you know, very senior executive, you're so approachable. And like she had the comfort of asking you that question and then you really listened and, you know, gave her the encouragement. Oh, man, I'm so glad she had the chance to tell you the the rest of the story. (laughs) I completely am, too. That was really great. Another one. And this was mentoring um, a woman in our company was kind of tentative, but sent me an email and she said, you know, I just love a few minutes of your time. Maybe you could mentor me along the way. And I called her and I said, absolutely, I would love to do that. But let's, you know, let's make sure that we are purposeful about it. So before you come in, I want you to be specific about what it is you're looking for, what advice you want from me or what you want me to do for you. Be mindful of the time. If I allot you, you know, the half hour, don't kind of ramble and go over. Um, And then make sure you stick to whatever time we agree that we're going to be together. And I don't even really remember saying that, Shannon. It was interesting because at the end of the year when I retired, she said, I just wanted to share with you something that was so important to me now as a leader because I had been a few years back. And when you told me that, about when somebody's going to give you their time and how important that was. And I use that all the time. So there's just little tidbits and snippets of things that you tell people that you don't realize at the time, how impactful it may be. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that comes with great responsibility, right? You have to be really careful. I mean, I can be real flip. You can be going down the hall and say something that somebody just takes as gospel and you later go, oh my gosh, that's really not how I meant that. Or I was just given my opinion about something. And so that's kind of um, a lesson that I learned early on to not just, you know, assume that everything you say isn't going to get used in some form or fashion, Mm. either against you or for you, right? (laughs) Absolutely. That's so true. And just to be clear and know that people are listening and that you're setting the tone and people are going to respond to what you say. So you almost have to preface things with, I'm just thinking out loud or, you know, don't take any action. We're just brainstorming. (laughs) Or I'm just chatting down the hall. I don't even know what I'm saying. (laughs) The other really great piece of advice I got early on as a leader was another one of my bosses said, don't forget you are always on stage. And you may be just thinking in your mind and not really thinking about other people as you're walking down the hall. You may walk past somebody and not say hello. It could ruin their whole day. And I really thought about that because I remember being younger and seeing, you know, a big executive. I'm like, hi, Bob, or whatever. And if they were grumpy or they just didn't respond, it really did impact me in my day. So I would always go out of the way and make sure whoever it was, I would say, hi, how was your day? How are you? If I didn't know them, sorry, tell me your name again, or what department do you work in? One so that I would know and, re- and try to remember that later, but 
I really do believe it has an impact on those folks that work for you in an organization and that they know that, to your point about being approachable, that you really are and that you care about people. Those are the little things that I think people can do as a leader to be more approachable and show their authenticity. Mm, I totally agree. Is there any kind of like a daily habit that you work through or a way for you to stay present because you're human. So you've got your own things going on. You're entitled to be in a bad mood. But as you said, you're always on stage. So is there anything that you have used throughout your career to keep you present? Yeah, not throughout my career. I learned, you know, the hard way on lots of things like everybody else. And so much of it was trying, you know, you talk about the life balance and young women are always asking me about that. I don't know if there's a good recipe for that. But what I did learn was in the morning, even if I only have three minutes, I will do a mini meditation just to set the day, just some quiet and remind myself, okay, this is another day. You need to be present in the moment. Just simple things like that. And at the end of the day, I have a little journal. I don't journal, but I write any if it's one thing that I was happy and grateful about that day. Even if it was the crappiest day on the face of the earth, you can find one little thing that stood out. And that's helped me to be thankful for you know just breathing in and out every day. Um, and I think both sides of those days mm-hmm help keep me a little bit grounded. I also believe exercise is really important, particularly if you can get outside. Um, You know, they call it forest bathing so that if you're in a concrete jungle, maybe not as easy, but I live in an area where we have hiking trails and and lots of um, trees. And so you can just take even 10 minutes, even in the middle of the day, if you're just having one of those days, just say, "Uh, give me a moment, walk outside through the parking lot, Mm deep breaths, just stand there and just center yourself. That can, that can make the world of difference in a day that's not going well Mm, too. That's such great advice. That centering yourself and setting your intention and then that reflection on the day. And just, even if it was really difficult, you know, there's always something that we can be grateful for. Always, always one. Yes. <laughs> Could be that cup of coffee or glass of wine mm-hmm. when, when you got home. Hopefully not in the morning. <laughs> but then, I'm not judging. Mimosas are good on a Saturday morning, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, you know, you've you've grown in your career and you, you, you experience a lot of different roles and all this. Like, what are some of the tips and, and like advice that you would give to people who are on that career trajectory, even those who are already in the senior ranks, but maybe not in the C-suite yet, what are some of the things that you have dis- learned throughout you know, your, your journey that you think are useful for people to implement? So many, you know, there are so many. The ones that stick out the most for me though, are you have to own your own career. And I was really guilty of this. And, I, and lots of people in earlier in their careers, well, even I talked to vice presidents and they still suffer from this. And that is just, I'm doing a good job. I'm working my ass off. And so therefore, I will be recognized and promoted. Well, it doesn't always work that way, right? So you have to make your intentions known to your boss um, not in an obnoxious way. That always drove me crazy when you know people are like, "I just want to be a vice president." You're like, "Yeah, no, that's not what I mean." You know what? What do you want to do in your career? How do you want to help the company? But it's you know, decide for yourself. What do you want? And don't just go. I just want to contribute in a larger way. No. How do you want to contribute? What are the roles that 
you really are interested in and you think you're qualified for. And then you talk to your boss first about that. Now we say, if your boss isn't supportive, you're not going to go many places. You better find another boss, right? But let's assume your boss is supportive and cares about your career. Then you talk about with that person first, here are the things that I'm interested in. So help me with what I need to get there. And then that creates the dialogue where they can say, well, look, you are really strong in, you know, in strategy and whatever it is, but the areas that I think you could really work on are the following. And then you can say, how do I get those skill sets? Is it project driven? Um, you know, should I go into another role? How do you think I get there? And have those dialogues and, and mm-hmm. depending on the company you're in, or even if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for you know, somebody in the industry who can help you with that, just have regular chats, not every week, not every month, but maybe it's once a quarter mm-hmm. um, and have the plan on how to get there. And also in your own mind, how much time do you want to give it? Are you thinking a year? Are you just in your current role that it could be five years? You can even talk about five years from now. So that's one. So you have to have that you know, direct connection with somebody in your company like your boss who can then make your intentions known. But you have to have a sponsor. And if your boss isn't your sponsor or isn't high enough in the organization to help sponsor you, kind of start looking around in the organization. Who are some of these other people that have positions of power? And is there somebody that's seen you enough or your work and would be willing to meet with you, not as a mentor, not their job. Sponsors are there to go, oh, wait a minute. You know, I worked with Jill Campbell or I saw her give a couple speeches. I talked to her about her career one time. She might be a good fit for that role you have over here. So it's about that networking and and taking the chance to say to somebody, can you give me 30 minutes? I'd just love to get your advice about my career and where I think I'm going. Oftentimes your boss will do that for you, like set you up and say, hey, in your career, I think it'd be important if you meet with so-and-so vice president of XYZ. And that's helpful to have that introduction as well. And obviously depends on your corporate culture. There are some cultures if you called a SVP, they probably send you to HR, right? But hopefully you don't work in one of those cultures. Um, so you kind of have to meander in your culture as well and know what's a good way to talk to people and what's not. I also think talking to both peers in other parts of the organization, as well as always ask if you can have a one-on-one with your boss's boss, because they clearly could be more of a sponsor and or give you advice on either moving up in that department and or possibly moving over to a different department if that's where you really want to go, right? So I think, but, but I go back to number one, first, you have to own your own career and you have to know what you want and make that known. I'll give you a good story. And um, this was such a big aha for me. I was running at at, um, Cox Communications. I was running the uh, field operations for all of Cox after we had consolidated them. And my boss at the time, Pat Esser, hired somebody else to be the chief operating officer. Now, I'd only really been in my role as SVP for, let's call it, one, two years, maybe. But he called me in and he said, I guess you're wondering why I didn't give you that role. And I said, well, no, actually, I hadn't been. But now that you said that, okay, why not? And he said, because you didn't want it. I'm like, beg pardon? 
And he said, well, you've been talking about you bought this home out in Santa Barbara and, you know, you're going to spend time there. I was like 45. Okay. I wasn't 105. And he said, you know, I just, I got this vibe. You didn't want to do anymore. And that's fine. You can do. And I said, that is such crap. And then I was mad because I'm like, what did I just do to myself by not saying anything and advocating? I was just talking about that part of my life. No, I love California and we're going to go out there a lot. Well, he interpreted that as I was done in my career and I was good. And so I made my intentions known to him, to the then uh, CEO at, at the parent company. And when the COO left three years later, they promoted me. Not just because I said that, I also had to earn it. And they asked, you know, they told me things I needed to do to be ready. But it was a real big aha that you can't just assume that people know that you're ready and wanting to do more. Mm-hmm. And was that role on your radar, Jill? Is that where you wanted to go? It's so interesting. Um, I loved, loved, loved being a general manager. And in the cable world, back in the day, you had full P&L responsibility, right? So I moved my way all the way up uh, to run a big system. And they, my boss at the time knocked on the door. And he's like, wouldn't you maybe like to come to corporate and run a region? I remember thinking, no, I like it. It's good here. I, I'm a boss of everything. But then the seed was planted and I thought, well, maybe I could do that. And when a role opened up, I was hired for that. And I loved that. And then they, when we decided to consolidate, you know, the systems, they, I just naturally was named over all of the systems. But at that point, I was loving that and thinking, I don't know, maybe someday. I never really imagined I would get to the level of running a cable system, let alone being a COO and then a president. That was never in my intentions. So some of that was luck and timing, mm-hmm. clearly, mm-hmm. Um, and working hard. But, you know, it just kind of all fell together at the right time. Mm. Well, thanks for sharing that background. That's really helpful. Lessons learned. And for our listeners to consider, you know, how clear are you already about where you want to go? That's on each one of us, right? That's not on our human resources department or our boss or our closest friend. That's really the only person who knows where we want to go is ourselves. That's right? right. Absolutely. And if you don't know where you want to go, that might be okay too. Because particularly if you're really young starting your career, you may have not fully vetted everything that you know you're interested or want to do and I think in that case then it's really great to talk to people in different parts of the business Mm -hmm. and maybe even other businesses to get an idea of what what else the corporation and or that industry has to offer right Mm -hmm. and and don't be so close to ideas I, I tell people all the time be open you never know what might come down that you never thought about and it may not be in your linear line of thinking and remember so many companies are downsizing and flattening organizations and you know so it may be that you get caught in something like that but you have the leadership skills or the skill set to move into a whole nother area that you may fundamentally know nothing about but how hard is it to learn if you have great leadership skills you're not doing the job you're leading the people doing the job so you know Mm -hmm. stay open to being able to move across the aisle to some other um, division or part of the company too Mm. 
That's such an important point. And I think it goes to why you won the Fearless Leader Award this year, because you're willing to do those things. Like you maybe didn't have experience in one of these roles and you thought, you know, I have leadership skills, like you just said, so I can figure it out and I want to hire smart people. So let's talk about that because a lot of our listeners probably struggle with that. And, you know, as we know from coaching and mentoring women leaders for years and years that many of us think that we have to be utterly eligible for a role before we take it. So, and this is both for men and women, but women, I think, struggle with this even more. What are, what's some advice you have for people that, you know, they, they do want something, they have a vision for what's possible, but they think, oh, I've never had that experience or I'm really not eligible. Well, isn't that the ultimate imposter syndrome? We run around and we think, oh, somebody's going to find out I really don't know how to do this job or I'm not good. And all the studies have shown that when men look at a job description that's a promotion, if they can come up with about 70%, oh, they're good. They're golden. Women think they need 100%. And I always say it's not, they don't call it a promotion because you know how to do everything already on that job description. It's that you have shown the propensity to be able to do more. What's the best indicator of success? Past success. And so as you've grown up, leaders will look at you and say, you know, she may not know how to do these things, but she's really strong in these areas. And I know she can learn and, you know, we can surround her with people who can do that. So great personal, um, story there. Uh, While I was the COO over at Cox Communications, we were having a change in leadership in our family. And our fourth generation of the family was taking over first as COO at the parent company, and then he was going to be named the president. Um, And he came to me and asked me if I would come over and partner with him and head up HR and operations there. And I'm like, no way. I didn't know anything about, well, I shouldn't say I don't know anything about HR. Obviously you lead 30,000 people. You have, you've had a few HR issues come up, but I'm not a functional HR leader. And he kept asking, he said, I need someone I can trust and you can impact, you know, 50,000 employees, you know, help me continue to grow the culture. And that, you know, that was really intriguing. Um, But I knew I didn't know what I didn't know. So I say that because I didn't go in going, well, I know how to do this job. I went in saying, I don't know how to do this job, but I know how to lead amazing teams. So I need people who know how to do this job and surround myself with them and listen to them, you know, talk about what it is we want to do, set the goals, they go do it. They come to me if they need resources or other help. And we work together as a team. So I say that because you have to take the strengths you have and the skill sets you have and apply them either to the the role in which you're promoting and or, you know, pass it to something else. Um, But I think you do have to be clear if you're looking at the promotion, where do you need the help? And don't don't pretend like you know something you don't say, here's how I would go about making sure that this area is a focus and that there wouldn't be a miss there. But don't go for things just because you think you're missing a couple items that, you know, honestly, that if you don't go for it, you won't get it. If you do go for it, you might get it. So, (laughs) exactly. And sometimes the barrier between us and those opportunities is ourselves. So how do we get ourselves out of the way? Often. And 
yeah. know, <laughs> you know, help help the growth that we are really wanting. Exactly. Um, so, as a generous leader, I think it's, it would be great for our listeners to hear some of your practices, some of the ways, like you've mentioned a couple already, like mentoring, even sponsoring people, encouraging individuals like the woman who you encouraged at Comcast. So what what are some other practices that you want to share with our listeners around how to be a generous leader? Well, I have on my desk this um, little plaque that says there's a special place for Helen women who don't support other women. In my career, I had too many women who did not do that. And I just don't understand that. And I think you can do that in so many ways. You know, you you sit at a table and if you're in a leadership position and whether it's a, a young man or a young woman and they're sitting off to the side, inviting them in to the table and making sure that mm-hmm. those senior people recognize them and at least get introduced to them, I think is really important. So, you know, having your eyes open to what's happening in a room, if you know that a, a young professional or even somebody who's been in a, a senior position is not comfortable speaking, um, and you are, and you're good at helping with uh, the presentation, I think offering to help or to be the audience if somebody's going to be really nervous and, you know, it's a colleague that's struggling, that's another way to, I think, be a good team friend and, and leader for folks. Um, but I think it's just the day-to-day where I started, and that is in the hallway when you see people being kind and stopping to ask how they are, how their family is, because they sometimes they will break down and they'll tell you, and then you know that you know there's something going on with them. It just goes a long way for people to know that you care enough to take a few minutes to just see what's going on with them too. Yeah. Oh, those are great tips. Thank you. And I agree with you. It's the little things that add up to the big things, right? That's where I think our character shows up is in all those little decisions day to day. Yes, completely. So we always try to end the episode with some takeaway tips and you've given us many. So I'm going to just recap a couple that I captured and then you can add anything else that comes to mind. So for our listeners to think about how they can apply what we've heard from Jill is to have your own career path and plan. Plan your career. Think about what you want and how you want to get there and then make your intentions known. I thought that was a really key piece about Talk to your boss, your peers, some others in the organization, maybe even your boss's boss. So make your intentions known. Find a sponsor, and that, that's somebody who would be willing to invest some of their relational capital in your advancement or opportunities. And then you talked about don't assume that people know. And to that, that one of the success indicators is your past success. So making sure that people are aware of your past success in a not in a you know, bragging kind of a way, but in an effective career advancing kind of a way. <laughs> and then taking that time to mentor others and then the day-to-day kindness and being aware of your surroundings and knowing that you make a difference to the atmosphere and the culture. What else would you want to add to that, Jill? I think uh, in tacking on the kindness piece, it's, it's not, remember, it's not all about you, right? And people see through that right away. And particularly if you're, you're a leader, you didn't get it done. Generally, your team got it done. And nothing makes me crazier than listening to one of my leaders go, well, I, I did this and I did that. I'm like, no, you didn't. You helped lead it. 
goody for you. That's awesome. But your team did. So, you know, being a humble person is really, and but meaning it in your heart. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important because you don't get where you are just by yourself and you're not going to get there on the backs of people because that will collapse on you pretty quick. So, you know, just being really mindful that there are a lot of other people in your life and in the organization that got you where you are and pay back that, you know, good grace that you got from everybody else. Oh, so well said. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you, Jill. I appreciate you as a friend and a colleague and a leader and just love what you do with and for others. So just thank you for sharing your wisdom with us on ROG. Thanks for having me. It was great, Shannon. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.